My name is Elizabeth Evans, and I'm a homeschooling mom to four kids, ages two through nine, and we are learning how to make joy normal. My name is Bonnie Landry, and I want to welcome you to season two of our podcast, Make Joy Normal. Um, we want to thank everybody for their support and uh, and how much you've shared this podcast with uh, your friends and those who you think it would be helpful for. Um, I am a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma. I've been homeschooling for 30 years. My kids are ages 14 to 33. I only have one at home now. I'm a speaker, a writer, a blogger, and I guess we're podcasters now, Elizabeth. <laughs> and uh, I'm an advocate of joy. So welcome to our podcast. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, we. We are, uh, have a guest with us today, which we're very excited about. His name is Trent Horn. Um, Trent is, uh, is a highly educated guy. He's got a degree in theology, philosophy, bioethics, um, and he's a staff apologist to Catholic Answers. Um, we're interviewing him today because he's going to share with us how he came to kind of accept homeschooling or, or think, you know, homeschooling was a good idea from whatever point of view he was holding prior to that. Um, right. If you don't know what an apologist is, uh, for our uh, secular and Protestant uh, listeners, we uh, his job is to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Um, so whatever answers he has, uh, as we roll through our questions, are guaranteed to be both credible and compelling, I'm sure. Hey, Trent. Hey. <laughs> Um, so Trent's a popular speaker. He has his own podcast called The Council of Trent, and we'll put his um, links uh, in our show notes. He's also an adjunct professor at Holy Apostles College and has written several books. Uh, and for our particular audience, I think they would really love to know that you teach at Homeschool Connections, because I talk about Homeschool Connections pretty regularly on here. Uh, my I do. kids have done lots. So, so my son took a class with you a year or two ago. Oh, so, good. Yeah, I teach. Uh, so right now I'm doing some classes on introduction to the New Testament. We're in the middle of them. But next fall, I'm very excited about this. Uh, next fall, I'm going to debut these classes. Uh, they're three semesters long. So if, if a student started next fall, by the end of summer, they could do introduction to the catechism one, two, three. And so in one year, they'll do the whole catechism. Or they could do introduction to the New Testament, one, two, three, start in the fall, be done by the end of the summer of 2022. And then they could, they would have the whole New Testament done. So wow. um, they're, they're, they're really, and the classes are really cool. If they enroll, if they go in fall and they enroll live, uh, what I do with the classes, it's a flipped model. So the students will watch a, each class is an hour long, but in the hour, they'll watch a 30 minute pre-recorded lecture with PowerPoint visuals. And then the other 30 minutes is when we meet live and I go over all of their questions in just a 30 minute blitz. So I think it's extremely efficient way to um, move through the material. And the students have really been liking it. Okay, cool. Thanks. I'll have to tell my, my one last daughter left at home. She'd probably be quite interested. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so you know, Trent is kind of a famous person. So our podcast coolness is really going to go up with this. Uh, with this, <laughs> so we're excited about that. <laughs> it was already cool, especially because you have your your co-host Elizabeth Evans. Uh, Elizabeth, and you guys know each other. That's fabulous. That's right. Uh, Elizabeth's husband used to work for uh, Catholic Answers in the video department. Maybe who knows what what the future may hold? Who knows? I don't know. At least maybe he could help us. We're doing a lot more video content. But uh, we both we both lived uh, our families in the same city in in San Diego, and it was a lot of fun 
And my wife, Laura, says hi, by the way, Elizabeth. Oh, I love Laura. I miss her. We used to go on little hikes together when our babies were small. Oh, so nice. Eh? So many cool connections. San Diego is just a hotbed of Catholicism, eh? Yeah. It was till everybody, till everybody moved right. because of the pandemic. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so Texas, so many right? people. <laughs> well, Texas now, I mean, that's how I met um, Walter from Homeschool Connections was, was uh, I was speaking at a conference in, in Houston. And Oh, there was just, um, I was amazing because I don't live in a very Catholic place and it was really incredible to see how Catholic Texas was, right? Oh, yeah. yes. It, it is, awesome. absolutely. I was walking the other, uh, we were going on a family walk the other day and just on the hiking trail and somebody was like, do you, oh, are you Trent Horn from Catholic Answers? And like, I mean, it's just like people <laughs> recognize stuff here, whereas like any other part of the country, it's like, even in the San Diego diocese are like Catholic Answers. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> totally that's sad that's sad because we go to san diego for the conferences and things like that. oh it's a beautiful place for a conference if yeah. they ever let us have a conference again yeah yes no kidding eh? oh what a world we're living in but the most important part of you is beside all your famousness and coolness um is that uh, you're the father of three small boys yes and so before we dive into our question i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your family oh my goodness uh so we, we, we have uh, three boys. Uh, Matthew just turned six. So he's formally starting homeschooling now with Laura. I think he's doing kindergarten, first grade material. Uh, Thomas just picks up stuff, uh, you know, just by osmosis. He's, uh, he'll be four in March. Uh, and John Paul is just our lovable little uh, plump anchor. Uh, you know, he's, <laughs> he's four months old. So I, I think with any... So Laura, I think, is juggling a lot when it comes to the homeschool uh, option, especially when you have a very small child, like an infant, uh, to take care of. But she's handling it with a lot of uh, grace and repose. And Matthew is just doing uh, exception, exceptionally well. Uh, but they, yeah, we have to tailor for all their different temperaments. So Matthew is kind of the outgoing one. Uh, I don't like to peg him with too many labels, but Matthew is a lot like Laura. It's very sociable, very extroverted. Thomas is is basically like me. He's very introverted, analytic. And so we, we try to reach each of them based on their own little temperaments. Yeah. So lovely that you could do that in this setting, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Elizabeth, do you want to start with? You guys? Yeah. yeah. All right, Trent. So what All was right. your own grade school experience and how did that shape your thoughts about homeschooling? Yeah, so I'm glad you actually asked related to grade school and elementary school, because I was trying to think back about, well, why did I change my mind about homeschooling? Why was I so anti-homeschooling for most of my life? It's, it's so weird. I kind of I wasn't not necessarily an enemy of homeschooling, but I just kind of made fun of it. I didn't really take it very seriously. And I don't know why I thought that, because my own schooling wasn't great. Uh, it's almost like I took pride in being mistreated in my own educational process. So when it, when it comes to education, I went to elementary school in Encinitas, California. Uh, I went to Pacific View Elementary. It, it, and actually, what's funny is the school is abandoned. It's like uh, it's falling apart and abandoned because it's sitting on really valuable real estate overlooking the ocean and nobody knows what to do with it. Uh, so it's weird driving by the old ghost bones, my, my old school. So I did that in a few other elementary schools. But I, I just remember the teachers, 
like I, I think I was I knew more than the other students. So the teachers just kind of either ignored me or let me do my own thing or it would be weird. Like so one time a teacher just said, uh, Trent's going to show everyone how to do the multiplication tables. And the teacher just sat in the back and was like doing a crossword puzzle or something while I showed the rest of the students. And I'm still mad about that to this day. <laughs> that like I didn't get paid or and so I, I guess what's hard is like you know going through that in other schooling I feel like you know we all have a memory of like that great teacher if you went to uh public or as I like to call it government schooling you have that memory of that great teacher or the the, the great teachers that really helped you but I really feel like they stand out because the other teachers don't stand out or actually weren't very helpful in your in one's development mm-hmm yeah, and I, mean, I don't know if that makes sense. That in stride, right? You know, I know when I started homeschooling, my husband, you know, I brought this idea up with my husband. He thought it was just weird. He's totally on board now, but he thought it was weird. And he, he said, well, why? Like, you know, I was fine. And, you know, which is actually a debatable statement. <laughs> but, you know, in his mind, like, you know, what, what, what's the point? Go ahead. But what's the point, right? And, right. Uh, you know, you got to wonder, and you look back, the, those outstanding teachers really are few and far between, actually. That's what makes them so outstanding, is that on the backdrop amongst the other teachers, the other teachers, you don't remember them as much. Or if you do remember them, it's usually because of, of something negative. I remember teachers who would tell me, uh, you know, I, we would ask them questions in class and they would say that these weren't their notes. So they didn't know how to answer our questions. They had gotten the notes from another teacher in high school. I had another teacher who had like a little mini meltdown in class and refused to teach us for like a week to figure <laughs> things out. And it's not just the, 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 the teaching element. It was the other students in elementary school or middle school. You had, you had typical bullies. Um, the first time I ever saw pornographic material, it was other seventh graders that showed it to me in middle school. And of course, that was back in the year uh, 1997, 98. So it's quite tame compared to what yeah. students can show one another one another nowadays. So it, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like I almost used to be against homeschooling because it's like I survived the trial by fire. And like right. I wanted my kids to have that pride of having made it through the lion's den and the homeschoolers had it easy. But now mm-hmm. that I have kids, I'm like, why would I put them through that? Why yeah, would right. I? Yeah. yeah. So in one, in one sentence, like your one liner about why, why you would be against homeschooling, how would you frame that? I guess it's because, and this still holds true today a little bit. It's that you never hear anyone say, wow, I would have never guessed you were public schooled. But people often say, wow, I would have never guessed you were homeschooled. Yeah. And so I, I do think that the, the people who are homeschooled, they, they exhibit particular traits that make them identifiable. But what's changed for me is that once what I thought was a negative is now a positive. So in the past, I, when I was more against homeschooling, I would have said, you know, homeschoolers, they're, they're just kind of naive or they, they're just like gullible even. They've been sheltered from the world. But now what I would say is that not naive or gullible, but it's optimistic and not cynical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like the, the things that like I took pride in like having been broken a little by the system. But now I'm like, no, you don't. The world is hard enough as it is. We don't need to make it harder on kids. Now, I do agree. You know, homeschooling isn't no system is perfect. There, you know, there can be cases where you homeschool someone and they're horribly sheltered and not you know, not prepared for the real world. Just like in public school, 
or in public universities, kids get sheltered, but it's under wokeism, like hates, you know, speech codes and triggering. And so, so I, I think anything that's too sheltered is bad, but that's, that's not unique to homeschooling. Sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And even amongst your own personalities of your own kids, like for my kids, some of them were, you know, naive, uh, maybe gullible, maybe, you know, like, the, but in some of them were quite worldly, right? And so you have to take, you have to find the balance in that, like the ones who tend to be want to be sheltered, provide them with a little bit more. And the ones who are uh, maybe more worldly is, is, you know, help them to walk through the world without being so attracted to it, right? right. <laughs> yes. You know, so yeah, so you can get a lot of that even in your own family that you might you may have to alter things a little bit as they uh, uh, as they mature and uh, you know the world becomes apparent to them or they want to run from it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember which factors first led you to openness for home education? Well, I think part of it might be, I don't, I don't know if it's selfish or not. We, we really enjoy our children. So it's like, we really, you, you want to spend time with them. And we had no reason uh, for, we didn't need school. I think honestly, a lot of times people, why a person would choose either private or government uh, primary education, like for an elementary student, I think a lot of it, childcare is factored in. I, we're seeing this with the pandemic. A lot of people are being honest, saying we need to get kids back in school, especially elementary, not so much because for their learning, but because parents have relied on that as childcare. And mm -hmm. so we uh, we were a single income family. Now, there was a while where Laura also worked part time, but we didn't rely on childcare in order to do that. We just kind of juxtaposed our, our work schedules, but we didn't have to rely on any sort of on any sort of childcare. So we weren't in the position. I think a lot of people select elementary education out of need more than a conscious effort to select, you know, what, what might be best for them. But as we went on though, Elizabeth, as, as Matthew got older, we thought, well, where should he learn? Maybe I still felt, oh, maybe he should go to school. But then I think more, I thought more about government schooling. I just realized it's just really not up to par. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you just see how funds that have been put into government education for the past 40 years, test scores haven't improved. And even with the pandemic now, I mean, I would say I'm not mad at teachers, really. I'm mad at teachers' unions. Yeah, I mean, you still have unions. You're mad about one teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, yeah, well, I didn't get paid that day. I should have gotten paid. <laughs> so, fair uh, enough. Yeah, so, yeah. But oh, in other schools, they're saying that they don't want to go back until everybody is vaccinated or every student, even though studies have shown it is relatively safe for them to do that. Uh, and so it just boggles my mind at how, detrimental it is for for kids and the standout teachers they can't stand out a great movie that relates to this is the movie uh, stand and deliver did you guys ever see that movie stand and deliver i think uh, I saw it years ago i don't remember it so it's okay so it's about jaime escalante he was a calculus teacher at an inner city school in los angeles and he had students who uh could barely do arithmetic and he taught them so well they passed the calc ap exam and the, the, the district thought they cheated because these are such poor students. So they retook it and they still passed. And the movie ends really triumphantly. But the epilogue that you don't know about in the movie is that Escalante quit because the other teachers hated him because he went above and beyond the union contracts. So like he would do extra tutoring. He would do longer days. And the other teachers hated that he didn't just do the minimum that the contracts required and made them look bad. 
And so wow. it's stuff like that that just really disenchanted me. And so yeah. we looked then, we, were, we knew government schooling wasn't going to work. And then I thought, well, maybe we could do charter schooling. And there's some great charters here in Texas uh, or, or Catholic schooling. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I, I really felt that, that the big thing that, that helped me to choose uh, homeschooling was just the complete control you have over these formative periods. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're especially from age zero to six. That really just sets. This is your child's temperament and personality for their life. And to hand that over to somebody else, it's just it's something we, we didn't want to do. Yeah. Right. And to hand over the joy of experiencing it for to somebody else for six hours a day. You know, you started with because we really like spending time with our kids. And that was huge for me. I just thought, wow, she's so interesting. My oldest was, you know, four and a half. She's so interesting right now. And her insights into life are so interesting. She's so much fun. You know, I've put in all this hard work, you know, to get her to this point. And now I'm going to, you know, send her out to, uh, so somebody else gets to enjoy that. Who won't actually enjoy it? Because she'll have 30 other kids in the class, right? So, right. you know, it doesn't make sense, you know, that ultimately it's all about love, right? You know, this is a, right. another way we show love to our children, right? And I mean, there are other educational options. Doesn't mean you love your right. kids less, but it is an option too. It is is a... Uh, way we can show this right and right. be with them mm-hmm. our time right, right. Um, so uh what what would you say is um oh i, I think like elizabeth the next question is yours i think probably i he's kind of already answered already kind of answered the one that i was gonna ask okay um well sure. then so how does it feel to look back on your negative ideas um, that you had prior, um, to right. your concerns ever creep back? Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, I mean, for example, there, uh, I'm not going to be explicit cause I don't believe in sharing embarrassing details about one's children <laughs> in public, but, uh, there will be things, you know, you, when you're in a homeschooled environment, you know, I concern about socialization. I want to make sure that you, know, you should be able to relate to lots of different kinds of people, but, public schools are, are not like the real world because you're around people your same age in these um, pods, kind of, as opposed to lots of different kinds of people of different ages. Uh, but I, I sometimes, you know, I'll say like, oh, Matt, we can't do X. That might be okay to do at home, but the world is not our classroom. So, you know, uh, and I think sometimes for, you know, peer pressure can be a nice way to nip certain behaviors in the bud where, you know, you're just socially, I mean, that's about learning etiquette in general, right? How do your, how do your kids learn to not be slobs and barbarians, Mm -hmm. like to eat, like eating dinner without being rude about it? You have to shame them at the table, basically, right? You you just, (laughs) that's not okay. That's not okay. And so sometimes it's a bit easier in public at school, kids learn that's not okay from their peers. And that works for some things, but then if they start shaming them for things that are good, like being devout or entice them to do things that are bad. That's where, so peer pressure is only great in like 5% of the cases, which isn't enough for me to, to hand the reins over to other people to raise my kid, not just the teachers, but the other students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you are familiar with this book. There's a, an amazing book called hold on to your kids. It's a, it's primarily about attachment and it's a, he's a psychologist, Canadian psychologist that wrote this book and he's really working on attachment theory theories developed at the turn of the century. And he's essentially the byline of the book. I can't remember what it is, but it's something like um, 
uh, why peers matter more than parents, you know, or why parents matter more than peers. And he's saying we are living in a culture where peers are raising their peers. Right. Right. It's that simple. And so he's not, he did homeschool. He's an advocate of homeschooling, but, but he just said, it's just easier to avoid that, you know, 90% of that negative peer, um, peer formation, you know, um, and he's talking mostly about teenagers, you know, that peer formation that happens that's so um, insidious really in our culture. Uh, but if we, he's as ideas to raise awareness about that, because it's, it's, it is scary. We shouldn't be being raised by peers because also your peers will dump you in a heartbeat. Right. Right. Oh, You're yeah. in school. You know, your yeah. parents don't dump you, mm-hmm. you know, they might, you know, get mad at you or they might, whatever, but your parent, parents are going to dump you. And, right. um, you know, the, you know, things like even teen suicide rates and whatnot speak right. to that. Right. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So oh, they're yeah. attaching to peers. Right. right. Which is scary. Um, one of the things that I, I was really excited about this particular topic um, was because I've met over the years, I've met a lot of women whose husbands are not on board. Occasionally, yeah. it's the other way around, right? But in general, oh, maybe, you know, I'm not sure why, maybe women are just more intuitively, you know, um, connected to the child in their young years, for sure. Um, but the husbands are not on board. So, so two-part question, what would you say to the men who aren't on board and what would you say to their wives if they, um, if they were struggling with this, right? Right. Uh, I think what I would say is just for the, for the wives, go easy on yourself. And for the husbands, you know, trust your spouse, but you're in a good position to see, are they being overwhelmed or not? And you can be there to help them that that's not either or. I I mean, for us, we love homeschooling now, but that could change in the future. We may feel like we can't provide the best home education environment for our children, but that doesn't mean necessarily we're going to plot Matthew just into the most godless public school we can find nearby. Like, for example, he might maybe he will do a Catholic school co-op two days a week in with teachers and peers that that we trust and so it's it's more of a hybrid model instead of being at home doing the entire uh, homeschooling curricula so trust yourself and don't feel this either or like oh i can't do 100 percent of homeschooling here therefore we just got to go to public school we got to pay for this private school there are a lot of things in between i teach at homeschool connections so a lot of especially middle school and high school students they do online classes. Their parents facilitate and check their progress, but you get another teacher. I mean, it's, you know, or, or tutors or, or, or things like that. Uh, I think, though, for the, the husbands, what I would say to them is, you know, be careful that you're not idealizing, especially if you grew up in a public school environment like I did, you're not idealizing what you, what you came from. Uh, and remember what it, what it was really like. You might think, well, well, my wife was never trained to be a teacher. Well, she doesn't have to be. I think most things that elementary school teachers are taught are not the subject matter. It is classroom management skills. I agree. Laura is not prepared to manage a class of 30 students, but she doesn't have to. And so when, when, you, when you start getting it out of your mind, I mean, I remember my mom went into an elementary school classroom once and argued with my elementary school teacher because she told us, because the, the teacher told us one is a prime number. And my mom said, no, one is not a prime number. Prime numbers don't work if one is a prime number. It's a little thing, but she went and she proved the teacher wrong. And a lot of the teachers, they know more about managing classrooms than the subject matter. So if you can manage your children at home, uh, you could do fine. I think the other, okay, I guess I'll go on my, my big 
unload on the on the let's husbands. Go, let's go. <laughs> uh, the the other thing would be get it out of your head. You might think, well, how is my wife going to do the eight hours of school day at home with the kids? It doesn't have to be. They do that for babysitting so that kids can be dropped off before parents go to work. Most of the time you're shuffling between class. You were given busy work, worksheets, project. It was a lot of recess, lunch. There was a time. And frankly, especially in elementary school, the only things you really need to learn are reading, writing, and basic arithmetic and shape. Once, especially reading and writing. I mean, like social studies in the fifth grade, like learning about ancient Egypt. Nobody remembers that, except that they built the pyramids. Right. But the key there is just you're trying to teach elementary <laughs> students. And, and this is the problem. Also, look, you, you, the goal of your spouse in doing homeschooling is not to teach the kids everything you learned in school. It's to teach them to love learning so that they will go and learn it. I will be frank with you. I mean... I have to know a fair amount of stuff as an apologist, like on Catholic radio, you know, one show I'm talking about quantum mechanics, the other show I'm talking about uh, ancient history. I, I, most of the stuff I know from, from my job and my work, I didn't learn in school, even theology. I learned it just reading on my own. The only way to be successful at learning is for someone to have to develop a passion for educating themselves. And your your spouse is capable of doing that with your children. The, the last thing I'll say for the husbands is, yeah, go easy on your, your spouse and realize if she is going to be great at homeschooling, something else has to give at home. Something else has to give. You, you cannot have, so, I mean, other people have made this, the, the homeschool triangle, yada, yada. Uh, but, but the idea here is you cannot expect your wife to do a masterful, homeschool environment, have an immaculate home, gourmet, sumptuous luxury dinners. Uh, you know, you, you can't have all of that. Just like people would not expect you at work to basically do, uh, you would be mad at your supervisor if he gave you 60 hours of work in a 40 hour week. So just don't have those expectations to your spouse. It's okay that you come home and it's messy. You know, sometimes I, I don't have a hard, I don't deal with mess as well. My wife makes fun of me because I'm a melancholic. You know, I'm, introverted, analytic. I like being organized, but I have a very idiosyncratic organizing system. Laura will be like, where's the stapler? I'm like, it's in the third drawer over there in the in, in next to this junk over here. You know, it's organized, but in a disorganized way. And so, you know, if you if you come home and there's, she feels like there's chaos there, you might have to learn to let that go. So your wife has the mental reserves to do the other stuff that that is important. And also don't be checked out. Finally, and this may go into the next, your next question. Don't be checked out because if your wife is uh, homeschooling, uh, you can be more involved and participate and help. And it's not just like, oh, I'll check in at a parent-teacher conference once every three months. It's like you're way more actively involved and it's, it's better. Way, yeah. way, you know, way more entertaining parent-teacher conferences, we'll say. <laughs> Yeah, and the, and the, yeah. Well, you can have wine at your parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> if you're meeting with the principal, <laughs> you can have a glass of wine with them. Um, one of the things that uh, I think is is really important to note there, and what you said is, is ongoing discussion with your spouse about your own needs, their needs, the kids' needs needs to be uh, right. something that you address regularly, right? And because things change when you're raising kids, those first 10, 15 years of raising kids, everything changes about every six months. Totally. <laughs> Totally. You know, and, um, you know, that doesn't really end anytime soon. And I used to always assess, like over the summertime, I always, first of all, I always ended school in May. 
right? And we rarely finished, but we did anything past noon, right? Noon was our time for socializing and our time for housework and all of that, but our academics were in the morning. Right. And so those things were mattered because they, they gave me space. But um, I always took the summer to assess what was going on in my life so that my husband and I could say, okay, um, I can't do X. I can't continue to do X. Um, you know, is there anything I can offload to you? Or is there any way, can we manage it? Husbands are great problem solvers, right? Guys are great problem solvers. So if I say, okay, here's what I'm dealing with. When it, it's here are my issues, what do you think, right? How could right. we... How could we manage this better, right? So ongoing conversation is just so vital, right? Mm-hmm. As a community, do you find do you have a Catholic like a homeschool community that you hang with? Oh yeah, well we we just moved here two okay. months ago, so like we're st- oh. but we're already being introduced to it, and we feel very fortunate there is a very good homeschooling community here, and that's important is to develop that community so you don't feel like you're doing it all on your own, mm-hmm. and you have those resources to help you. And what's normal, right? We so badly mm-hmm. know what's normal. You can compare, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, anything else you have to add? And my next question you've already answered, are you active in your kids' education? So in terms of supporting your wife, obviously you are. Is there anything that you actually teach? Well, nothing formal yet. Uh, I'm more, Laura will bring me in or I'll, I'll be listening here and there. And then I just kind of jump in and have fun with it. I end up doing a lot of uh, theology as one would expect from a Catholic apologist. So when Matt asks the very tough, and kids are great at asking tough theological questions to understand. So I do kind of, I guess I handle theology would be be the subject (laughs) I teach them. Uh, I also have fun with them. And and when I spend time with them, that becomes a a learning example. Uh, I'll, I'll give you two examples of that. One, we were talking about, I think about the Titanic. Uh, so we did an experiment in the backyard, I took an ice to show him how the Titanic sank. Elizabeth will appreciate, appreciate, you know, this, this kind of stuff <laughs> with kids. So we took an ice cube tray and I tied a rock to it. And then, so, so that it was, uh, just, uh, barely positively buoyant. And I showed him how, you know, when the water goes into some of the cubes, it can still float, but once it goes past a certain number, it hits a critical mark and there's too much weight. And that is basically like how the Titanic sank. And he could watch and see that. Um, the other thing was we, I was driving with him the other day and we were listening to little house on the prairie and there's a scene where they go into a well, they're digging a well and they lower a candle to make sure it's safe. And they don't fully explain in the book why they do that. So I told him, well, they lower a candle to make sure there is clean air. If there is no air, the candle will go out because fire consumes air. So we just took, we went home, we took a candle, we lit it, put it on the counter and then put a glass jar. I said, let's put a glass jar over it and see what happens. And he's like, the candle went out. I said, well, why did the candle go out? He said, because it used up all the air. And there, and that could even be something he will remember his whole life. It's because yeah. I, I spent the time with him to do it. Even if a teacher had done it, he may not remember it as much as the fact that I shared the time with him to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to take a moment actually to give a shout out to Homeschool Connections. Not only, I mean, your kids are young for that and yours too, Elizabeth, but that what I just going to backtrack for a second because you had said, you know, uh, the kids get another teacher and it was right. something that I really wished I had done with my older kids. There was way less online options, you know, 10 and 15 years ago when they were graduating. Right. But what a great thing for high schoolers to have another teacher other than me that they, you know, you have to write and even write tests, but essays and, and that sort of thing to the teacher, right? And that in and of itself, you know, is a great exposure to before they go off to college, you know? So I felt like that's been a really valuable 
uh, thing for us to do as they've gotten older to expose them to other teachers. I don't have to teach everything. There's lots of things I contract out. Right. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like theology. <laughs> or music. Yeah. Anything else uh, that you have, Elizabeth? No, that's it from me. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Trent. If there's any other last comments, please make them now. We're, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, no, I think this is great. It was nice to be able to stop by and share just a little of more personal things on, on homeschooling. Uh, they're just, it's fun and we're, we're still learning. We're not, nobody's an expert and, and just being okay with that, uh, that you're learning as you do it. And that's, that's what's a, Oh, I guess the last thing is some people feel like I'm not smart enough. You know, mom's like, I'm not smart enough to teach my kids this. I don't know this stuff, but isn't, what would be better for you to just sit at home and never learn anything and your kids barely talk to you about it after school or you learn this and master the material as you teach it to them. I'd say that's preferable. That's oh, exactly absolutely. one of the reasons I wanted to homeschool was to learn everything I didn't learn in school. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and that's fun. I mean, it's, you know, I, I learned over the years that I loved algebra. Yeah, I hated algebra in school. I barely passed, you know, and then when it came around to sort of helping out my teens, well, I'll help you as far as I can. And then we'll hire a tutor. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. And it was like, Ooh, this is fun. <laughs> right. Why didn't I like this when I was 18? Now I'm 52 and I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, so it's lots of fun. Well, we're glad you're having fun with it. And so appreciate you just sharing the movement from, you know, not, that's not what I want to do to, yeah, this is, uh, this is kind of a cool thing and, and I appreciate it and all your reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. God bless, Trent. You too. Yeah.